Uh, this is Mornings with myself, Eddie Diamond. Times are different, as you know. So I usually say sitting across from me right now is Professor Kurt Iverson from the Geography uh, Department at, the, at Sydney University. However, Kurt, hello. Eddie, what's going on? That is a phone line. Uh, it is a phone line. Yeah, and I was telling you just then, we've actually got um, tissues wrapped around our mics right now. It's all happening, and I'm really glad that you're joining us on the phone still so we can talk about this because that's what we like doing here on Down to Earth. We discuss how to make our cities fairer and more sustainable, and we're going to be doing that just today. Um, and there's a question that's on everyone's lips, really, about how we keep our cities fairer with everyone um being, well, not everyone, a lot of people being made redundant right now, especially mm. those uh, casual workers that we were talking about on last fortnight's episode of Down to Earth. Yeah, exactly. So it's just that's one of the really big urgent policy questions that um, we're definitely getting into today, right? What's going to happen to everybody who's losing work, um, particularly what's going to happen to their housing? First, let's talk about rental evictions. This is going to be a huge thing unless something's done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, look, heaps of casual um, workers, as we know, and actually not just casual workers now, um, are finding themselves out of a job um, with the shutdown of really big sections of the urban economy. So, especially hospitality, like all the restaurants and cafes, um, and then retail um, as well, that's all sort of, you know, shutting down or scaling back operations. So, yeah, we've just all seen those incredibly like distressing scenes of just giant queues of people outside Centrelink all over the city. Um, and as well as like what's going on, the casuals there, we're starting to see some of these really big layoffs, like Qantas standing down 20 staff, not long, 20,000 staff, I should say, not long ago, mm-hmm. and tourist operators and stuff. So, so we've kind of got two things going on at the same time here, right? Which is that on the one hand, people are losing their jobs, they're losing their sources of income. But on the other hand, all the advice that we're getting from public health and from government is that people have to stay at home. So to be like super blunt about it, unless we actually introduce a moratorium on evictions, then people aren't going to be able to follow this advice because they're going to lose their homes and they're going to be either forced into more crowded situations where it's impossible to keep that physical distance or like worse still forced into homelessness, um, which is like obviously not something that we want to see. And you did um, some asking around for us and you went and spoke to the Tenants Union about this. They've got a campaign going at the moment, don't they? Yeah, they do. So they've been um, leading it. There's a whole lot of different organisations right across civil society now, like churches and unions and mosques and all sorts of people signing onto it as well. It's just basically calling on the state government to put a moratorium on evictions um, to just make sure that whether it's because you're getting behind in your rent or indeed for any other reason right now and whether you are renting in the private housing market or you're you know, in public housing or social housing, that you just can't be evicted while this crisis is going on. Um, and also they're calling on governments to sort of make a plan so that we don't just end up with not only people not getting evicted, but if you're piling up like heaps of debt and you're still expected to pay this rent back at some stage, then we're going to end up with a debt crisis down the track too. So we're going to have to have a plan for that as well. So has this ever happened anywhere else? 
So, yeah, um, it's starting to happen in different parts of the world now. So you can actually go on. There's a fantastic web um, site called the Anti-Eviction Map in the United States, and you can go check that out. So there are big cities now over there like San Francisco and Los Angeles and others that are putting in place these um, moratoriums on evictions. And, in fact, it's just been announced this morning that down in Tasmania, the parliament there looks like passing something that gives, effectively gives... Um, 120 days in the first instance, um, so that even when eviction notices are handed out, they are, they kind of have no effect, right? So if you get behind in your rent, what would happen in that situation, if, um, if I understand it correctly, because something just happened this morning, is that, um, you know, your, rent, your real estate agent might issue you an eviction notice, but the government would be saying to the sheriffs and everybody else that there's no, you know, you can't enact the eviction during this crisis. So... Um, that's a really great first step. It gives people some security, at least for the time that we're all being told to sort of, you know, be in shutdown here. Um, but still, obviously, there's some big questions there about, like, that, you know, rent still accumulates, the eviction notice is still sort of sitting there over your shoulder for whenever that um, no-effect clause is kind of lifted. But, you know, way better than nothing, right? And it's good to see at least one government in um, Australia now taking some action on it because we've been waiting for the national cabinet to come um, down and make a kind of national call on this, but um, still hasn't happened. So I think everybody's really hopeful that maybe um, this Friday's national cabinet will actually make a big call on this and protect renters from eviction for the next few months while they're supposed to be in splendid self-isolation in their homes. Yeah, it's been a bit confusing to say the least with what's going on and what's happening. I feel like one thing that everyone is pretty across though is uh, this term social distancing. I've heard quite a pe- few people not liking the term and you have got some uh, good information on um, on this term and the politics behind it. But Kurt, I think we're going to go to a song right on. and then we'll come back and have a chat about it. Sounds good.
the specials for you with Ghost Town right in the middle of Down to Earth with Professor Kurt Iverson. We were just talking about renting and telling you about a campaign um, that the Tenants Union is a part of. We'll link you the details for that over on the programs page. But Kurt, I'm really interested in this um, term social distancing and you've got some facts for us about it. Uh, we've been all told to social distance to keep a distance of 1.5 meters between ourselves, and also at the moment we've just been told to stay in it stay inside really. Um, but this term, social distancing, can you please give us a little bit of a briefing about where did it come from? Yeah, and look, so I'm a social scientist, right? I'm a geographer, and I'm not going to obviously contradict any of the public health advice, which is, but in my mind anyway, and in the way that we would think about it, that's about physical distance. And um, social distance is actually a term that has been used, you know, for the best part of a century, really, to talk about something else entirely, which is to talk about um, how actually in city life, in everyday life in the city, actually, you find yourself oftentimes in you know, crowded places where you're in close physical proximity to other people, but you don't have a social connection to them. And so we use the term social distancing in the social sciences to describe that, right? So that's the kind of thing that happens when you hop on a crowded train or a crowded bus with strangers or you're sitting down in a cafe that's really buzzing, right? You don't sort of make friends with everybody that's in there. You don't have any social relationships with them. you kind of got a physical proximity, but social distance. Um, it's kind of emotional and it's a relational distance that we maintain just to make everyday life in the city kind of manageable. And then the other way that social distancing gets used in writing about cities historically is to talk about also the kind of, you know, stigmatization and discrimination that happens to some people in cities, right? So again, as an example here, you could think about the kind of social distancing that maybe happens to somebody who's um, asking for spare change on the street. You know, heaps of people will, like, literally pass within a metre of them on a footpath, but, you know, physically close but socially distant, just ignore them, almost treat them like they're kind of contagious and that, you know, they have to be, um, you know, distanced from you. So, um, yeah. When you were just uh, talking about that then, social distancing and that feeling of jumping onto a train and just keeping to yourself, I feel like that is just ricocheting through our whole lives now. Even when you go down to the shops, when you get the things that you only need to get at the moment, I feel like there's just um, this thing that's happening where you just shut down completely. There's no small talk. There's nothing. You're you're not only physically distancing, you are social, social distancing, though, in public spaces. Yeah, yeah, and that's it. And you can just feel, as you say, you can feel it when you're at the shops, um... But, uh, and I think we can sort of all feel it all over the place. And it's just, yeah, it, it's actually kind of the last thing we need right now, right? Which is that we need the physical distance, like absolutely. But actually, we need social connection. We need mm. social solidarity. And we actually kind of need it more than ever, actually, if we, <laughs> we're not spending much time out in public and if we're kind of, you know, locking ourselves down more in the home than um, out in the public realm. And so, you know, that's why it sort of might seem pedantic on one level to say, oh, you know, why are we using the term social distancing? But actually, the language does matter. Um, And the the last thing we need here is for people to actually shut down from connection 
socially at the same time that we're being asked to shut down physically because we know what will happen if those social bonds are sort of broken. And actually, in some ways, all that the fights that we're sort of seeing every now and again break out in a supermarket are almost kind of examples of what happens when people do get socially distanced, right? Which is that you don't have this sense that you're in it together with other people, but it just becomes everybody's in it out there for themselves, um, and, you know, disconnected from the people that are in the shops with them or treating the shopkeepers really badly and, you know, as though, you know, we're just in it for ourselves rather than thinking that we've all got to figure out how to get through this together. Um, and the real worry is um, is that, like, people who are already vulnerable to being isolated in our community, if we social distance from them right now, then that's going to be terrible because um, it's just going to make them even more vulnerable um, to illness and to all sorts of other problems if they, you know, um, don't have that sort of human contact um, and don't have those support structures in place to make sure that they're getting food and being looked after and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Social distancing doesn't mean lock your nan up in a cupboard for six months, does it? No, 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 that's it. It's like physical distance, social solidarity. That's what we need. And it's like, I know that, um, yeah, in Sydney here, the Sydney Alliance, which is that sort of alliance of, you know, unions and community organisations and faith groups, they've just sort of come out this week and said, yeah, that's how we're going to talk about it. We'll talk about physical distance and social solidarity. And I think that's exactly the way we should be thinking of it um and you know we're all having to figure out how to do that now you know radio interviews on the phone instead of in person zoom meetings with your union comrades and all that sort of stuff but um that's what we're going to work through thank you kurt for coming on and sharing with us giving us some knowledge about uh the rent the possible possibility of a rent freeze and also the language that we're using right now. Uh, I'm looking forward to speaking to you in two weeks' time over the phone again, and who knows what we're going to be getting to into. Yeah, I know. Things are moving so fast, right? It feels like forever ago that we were talking about casual sick leave, and yeah, and things are changing quick. I know, I know. Kurt, thank you so much. Thanks heaps for having me, Eddie. See ya. Bye-bye. This podcast is produced by FBI Radio in Sydney. Find more at fbiradio.com slash podcasts. <laughs>